brings it for Carlo. What's up? And welcome back to the Something Bruin Podcast, episode 66. 66. Execute order 66. Executes order 66. That's what Phil Esposito said in the 1971-1972 season when he scored 66 goals for the Boston Bruins. I heard he was the inspiration for for Darth Sidious's line in Star Wars. He actually, when he played, and I know it's, none of us are going to remember, but when he played in the 70s, he actually used a red lightsaber symbolizing the Sith, and that's how he scored his 66 goals. He actually was the Sith Lord, and when nobody was looking, he was doing his little tingle fingers and getting some force lightning out there, and that's why he popped off and had, like, what, 72 goals in one of his seasons? Time out a minute. I'm pretty sure that uh, Phyllis Pizzito was either the owner or a part owner in the expansion of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Oh my god! It's all making sense. He's the Sith Lord. Oh my god! Why has anybody ever investigated this? And it's and it's true because in Star Wars, Sidious is right under the Jedi's nose, and in the NHL, Espo's been there the whole time, and nobody ever even batted an eye. That is crazy. Hang on. I'm going to make sure that I'm correct on this because we might have just spoken Phyllis Pizzito's long lost undercover identity live on the podcast. Who do, who do we board. Who do we even contact for this? The FBI? Who's the who, I mean, there's, who would be the modern day Jedi like the Tom Brady? Who do we call? He's a. He's a broadcaster for Tampa Bay, but I'm pretty sure he had a hand in the expansion. I, if we expose this, if we allow this to air, Phyllis Pizzito and his Sith gang might come and kill us. They they just might. I don't know who we can have to protect us. I don't know who the Jedi is anymore. Who would be like Luke Skywalker of of the Bruins? Would that be I want to say Bobby Orr, but I feel like that's too easy because that would be the person to save us. Yeah, no, it would have to be well no, first we need like who would be the good guy who went bad? You know, like like the like the Darth Vader? Like who was yeah. who was the who was the Bruins hero who then just like stabbed us in the back and became a traitor? I mean, would you you can't really say Tyler Sagan, right? Like that that no. wouldn't really fit the bill. Nathan no. Horton might. Oh, no, no, Sorry. don't you dare. Sorry. Now I'm curious. If you have an idea out there, who would uh, if you're listening, if you have an idea of who uh good guy turned bad for the Bruins would be. Let us know. I'm but, sure there's like some longtime Bruin who went to the Canadians or Maple Leafs. I mean, no, it wouldn't be Tyler Bertuzzi. Some long-term Bruin who went no. to the Canadians or Maple Leafs. That's an obvious answer that we're missing. But yeah, if you know who would be the a good example of a Bruins modern day, either Darth Vader or a Jedi, 
let us know because we need help defeating Espo apparently because we just discovered that he's a Sith Lord. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. All right. So yeah, ex- episode sixty-six, the Sith Lord episode, Phyllis Mazitos, <laughs> a secret Sith Lord, um, executing order sixty-six for the sixty-sixth episode of the Boston Bruins Something's Brewing podcast. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I just had a mini stroke. <laughs> <laughs> i think you can definitely tell we're not the jedi in this story <laughs> no dude we're the ewoks um <laughs> but um yeah so welcome back to the show as always brought to you in partnership with the one and only primetime productions you can follow them on twitter at primetime prods you can follow myself on twitter at underscore mike sullivan and you can follow nick on twitter at nick Valanson underscore um as well as following our podcast account on Twitter at Bruin Something. Um, no G. We'll do, no G at the end. Um, two Gs we'll on the a, show. No G in the, in the bio. But, <laughs> um, yeah, we got we got two games to recap real quick. We'll do the Toronto game, um, and then we'll do the Detroit game, and then probably jump right into the DMs because um, we got a lot of them for this episode. We got some really good questions that we want to dive into. Um, but before we do that, Mel, what's up? I know we both had a big weekend here. You want to touch on that really quick? Big weekend, baby. Yeah. So you Big and I have weekend. been, we've been waiting, waiting for the Howard show. Mr. Brett Howard, of course, from Owen to, show. To, to make his trip to the States. It has been a long time coming. And this weekend, I'm sure if you follow anybody on Twitter, everybody's talking about Brett. Everybody's talking about the Owen Bruins fellas. Um, they're, they're escapades, legend. absolute legend and, and, Brett came to Boston over the weekend. Uh, Sully and I were very fortunate enough to be able to meet them up. The only Bruins boys, as well as uh, Marissa was there. Adam was there. Marty the Meat Man was there. His girlfriend Amanda Marty. was there. There was a whole bunch of people we met up with uh, Sarah, before the game. Sarah, Sarah, Sarah well. of course. Who, who can for, By the way, major shout out to our boy West Virginia, Chris. Yes, yes, Louisville. That, like, what a guy. And I always I know. For anybody listening... Chris Lovell is is our buddy from West Virginia. He used to call in all the time complaining about there's no Nesson in West Virginia. He was the one we've been talking with him at the Bruins game on Thursday. He was the one who called in. He left us two voicemails at like 3 a.m. and 3 30 yeah. last week. We're talking yeah. to him last week. He was like, you know that was me, right? And I was like, oh my God, I thought the voice sounded familiar. But dude, what a character that guy is. He we found him just kind of walking around. He goes to games by himself and uh just meets people. And like, just like the coolest dude ever. Like I spent some time walking around the rink with him. I know you were shooting the shit with him. He came to the greatest bar with us uh, after the game and just hung out like major shout out to Chris, dude. You're awesome guy. Um, but no, also, I mean, the game if you awesome. haven't if you haven't seen his pictures on Twitter, his Bruin pants, his Bruins uh, shoes that he made, electric. Yeah, people were trying to buy it off him in the bar, and he was going to sell it short too. He was like, I don't, I don't remember what his what his figure was, but I immediately was trying to help the guy out and threw a double. And it's, and I wish he wore the jersey because the jersey that he has that goes along with the pants and the shoes that he made is yeah. It's it's just, it's, just, it's I believe it's still his profile picture on Twitter. Um, <clears throat> no, but and, and like really quick too, like that's the best part about doing this like we want to meet you guys like we want to talk to you guys lovell came up to us like he was nice enough to come over we spent i think both the intermissions we spent with him and then we spent time with him like you said at the greatest bar afterwards it's cool obviously interacting with you guys online but it's even better meeting you guys in person and 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 you know like you said too lovell's awesome great guy um fit right in 
and honestly made the night even better. I'm way oh, better dude. tonight than it already was. He did, dude. He's so funny. And he had the little Bruins Bruins necklace on too and his yes. little tattoo sleeve we were talking about. He's an awesome guy. But uh anyways. Also Brett a mailman. Came, shout out. Also a mailman. Shout out USPS, baby. Can't live without him. Um of course, Brett from Olympia Bruins came for the weekend, and we were able to meet up with him and the fellas at uh, Greatest Bar before the game on Thursday, went to the Leafs game, and it was awesome, dude, because like you and I, we talked to Brett, Boosie, those guys, literally every single day. Yep. Like we're, it's, we're either texting them or DMing them. Um, we They've come on our pod. We're trying to get on their pod. Hit us up. We stream ESHL with them all the time. Um, like those are like seriously, like a couple, like both of us, like those are couple of her best friends and we've been waiting for brett like obviously like it's 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 an impactful friendship of course when you can talk to them all the time but like it it's it means so much more when you can then put a, a face to the name it's like having brett come to boston and like there's no way in hell sully and i weren't gonna see him like we are yeah. like you're going to the maple leafs game on thursday sully and i will be there so we made our way into boston hung out with him and it was an awesome time all the pictures we took, of course, the Bruins won. That I, I haven't been to a Bruins game in like six or so. I think Brett said he hadn't been to a game since the old garden, which is like since the old I, garden, yeah. I think I was like, I think he said the last time he went to a Bruins game, Ray Bork was still playing for the Bruins. And like yeah, there's, that's a, crazy. there's there's a legitimate chance that I was not born yet. Like <laughs> that's like that's how long ago that was. Um, so I haven't it hasn't been that long for me. It's only been like and when I say only, it's been like six or seven years, I think, since I went to a Bruins game. I've been in the Garden for Celtics game, but not the Bruins game. So to be able to see that, you know, the Leafs were in town. Bertuzzi's back. He stunk it up, which is, you know, I, I, we can get into that later. But yeah. tough times in Toronto right now for Bertuzzi. Um, but to I see that it. game. I know, me too. But to see <laughs> that game and go into a shootout. I mean, I had chicken tenders. I had fries. I had you on my right. I had bread on my left. I had a beer. I was there with friends. Good times. Met some awesome people. And it was a great weekend all around. Yeah, man. I, it was so fun seeing those guys. And like like you and I have gone golfing before with Boosie. He, he lives down the street from us. Um, but it was the first time meeting Marty in person. Obviously, first time meeting Brett in person, Marissa, Sarah um adam all the guys and the girls out there but it was it was such a good time and i can't wait for brett to come back down again so we can rip it up and dude. and then maybe i can actually make it out to kowloon's that night too yeah i missed, dude, you, I missed the last night and i was i had missed out. but i, I wanted to shout out everybody else too because of course you know we were excited to see brett but we were excited to see everybody else too like you know yeah. of course smarter the meat man that's another guy you and i talk to all the time we stream a lot of eshls with him uh he also has a celtics podcast as well and being able to meet him of course Finally, putting a, a face to the name and being able to meet Amanda as well was awesome. Marissa, I think you and I have both followed her on Twitter for a while. So we finally got to meet her, got to meet Adam as well, who came all the way out from California. Uh, Kowloon's, I met some awesome people as well. And uh, yeah, you got to make sure you come out next time because I had yeah. never been to, I'd never been to Kowloon's before. I mean, I've seen it like you can't be for mass and not have heard of the legend of Calhouns, and yeah. they just rented it out a couple weeks ago. It was in the news for us. Uh, yeah, it was for a, for a wedding or something. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, I went out there, and it was, and I met the place is massive, and it, the whole place smelled like cigarettes. That's fine. And I met Boosie <laughs> out front because I didn't know where anybody was, and Boosie brought me to their table, and it was like, it was like a euphoric feeling. Like I walked in, and the table was there. They already had drinks on the table. The TV was behind them playing Bruins and two. Also, I know like 
we can get into the whole good luck charm thing, but like I know Boosie is like historically bad luck. He's been on a bit of a run lately. I think the last three games in a row now they've won, but like not to be that guy, I think I probably had a major part playing that because I'm a known Bruins good luck charm. I'm there at the game on Thursday. They win it overtime. And against the Red Wings, I left my house to go to Kowloon. Bruins are winning 2-1. to one. I get there. I turn around. Bruins in two. They lost 5-4. And everybody's saying, what happened? I left my house. I wasn't yeah, watching I know anymore. Happened. That's that's what happened. They well, lost. Yeah, they dude. Like you said, the Maple Leafs game, you, even, you left out the biggest part, dude. What was that? My chicken tenders and fries and beer? No, you were the first star of the game. Was I? Yeah. For the good luck. I mean, if I wasn't there and it was just Boosie <laughs> and Brett, like who would have known what would have happened? But um, no, seriously, it was a good time and being able to hang out with everybody because like this, like I've said it before, like this Bruins community, like it's been something that's been, you know, pretty prevalent. Like I know like there's, you've been on it for a while. Of course, Boosie and Brett have been on it for a while, which is funny because I retweeted um, a couple, like a month ago, I retweeted, um, I think it's Petrov who always like digs up the old Bruins announcement tweets when it's like, yeah. oh, like, Bruins signed Brian Gianta and he'll like yeah. quote tweeting like, dude, oh my God, he's back. And like for a <laughs> second, it, it gets you. And I saw him do that with a Dayton Heinen tweet like a month ago. And I was like, oh, I'm going to do the same thing. So I, I clicked on the Dayton Heinen tweet and the first reply was from Brett from like 2018 being like, oh, like I think I sneaky like this signing or something. And I was like, damn, like these guys have had boots on the ground and Bruins Twitter forever. But this is a, like a new because like That's you funny. and I started this podcast last year and I was not a part of Bruins community, Bruins Twitter at all until we started this podcast. So like yeah. a lot of the people that I was fortunate enough to meet this weekend, I've only been able to meet in this last year. And like a lot of those people are people that I met are like the absolute closest people in my life right now. So that was really cool to put faces and names and to be able to hang out like in real life. Like it sounds weird saying that, but <laughs> it was also cool too, how like that tweet was circulating around Twitter about how um, somebody was like, Oh, like stay clear of like online friends, online friends, aren't real friends. Yeah. Don't trust them. And it was like, that's such a crazy thing to say because like all of the people that I've, that I spent time with this past weekend, all the people that I've interacted with, all the people who interact with us and our show, like, like you guys are my people. Like, this is like, I look forward to like hanging out and talking to everybody from Bruins community all the time. So, you know, it was really cool to be able to meet up with everybody, and I'm very much looking forward to the next uh, Bruins game that we all attend together. Yeah, so shout out, especially Brett, dude, coming all the way down from Canada. Um, you got to meet Gail, though. I know, dude. I'm actually, I know. I'm actually so mad and because I heard, I heard that because Sully and I wanted to meet up with Gail, and um, right after the Bruins game, I think she was still working, and we – had a, a lot to do with on our hands so we had to get over to uh the greatest bar and um like Sully and i left because we had to work in the morning and then apparently like 10 minutes after we left gail showed up to come meet us and like i think boosie told us that the next morning and it was like dude like shot in the heart man like I know. you and i were talking heading into the rink how badly we wanted to meet gail and uh, I mean, we'll be at the Bruins game again, and she's always there because she works for Nesson, so we will meet her. But yeah. very upset that we couldn't meet Gail this past weekend. Yeah, so I can't wait to have a weekend like that again, dude. Um, again, shout out to everybody. But kind of recap, and obviously we were there for that Leafs game. Um, Bruins win, like you said, 3-2 to two in a shootout. Um, it was an electric game, dude. Um, Zaka opened up the scoring. He got his fourth of the season that game. J.D., with his first of the year, he opened it or he he gave the Bruins a two to uh, two to zip lead. 
And then Toronto kind of storms back two to two, and then nothing after that until the shootout. Jake DeBrusque with his patented little tuck the puck behind the back of the legs and just kind of flip it over. His little hey, um, how are you? He's automatic in the shootout. He, dude. dude, he really is. He's and it's crazy. Hey, because how you doing? I remember Tyler Sagan when he was here was like automatic. Like I believe yeah. his like shootout percentage when he was here was over 50%. And I just felt like anytime he was going up in the shootout, it was an automatic goal. And yeah. uh, like between Jake DeBrusque and Pasta down the shootout, like good, like good luck. Which yeah, is funny because I remember last year you and I were saying that the Bruins have no shootout guys, but like yeah. they don't need anybody because <laughs> I believe the exact quote was shootouts. You don't need shootout guys when you can get two points before you make it to the shootout. And then yeah. we immediately followed up with, so the Bruins lost a shootout to the Kings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the next game. It was, like, when we were saying that, we didn't even realize. <laughs> it was like, a, we were doing the same thing, a little, a little like a couple game recap. Like you said, yeah, we were like, you don't need a shootout guy when you win in regulation all the time. And then the next game, we were like, all right, so we'll jump over to like the Ducks. Actually, the Bruins lost in a shootout. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so bees get the dub in that one. Um, big W against Toronto. Um, Jeremy Swayman was in net that game. Thirty-three saves on thirty-five shots, and he shut the he shut the door down in the shootout. Didn't even let in one goal. And then we bounced over to to, to Detroit. Kind of a back and forth game. Um, JVR and Patra. Oh, that Patra goal, dude. Oh, that dude. How nasty was that Patra goal? Like, on, and and we're not even being homers right now. If that was me, and if if I was in that position and I see nothing but goalie in front of me, I would have just fired it. I would have, I would have panicked. I would have been, ah! And just threw it at the net. But the patience of a 19-year-old kid to take a see that he had, pick his head up and he has an extra, extra bit of room to his left to make a quick little move and bet, like, oh, also. I believe he has seven points in 11 games, which is yeah, tied dude. with Connor Bedard, and he actually has more goals than Bedard. I was yeah, looking at his more. hockey. I was looking at his hockey next today, and um, for the rest of the year, Patra is projected to finish with, according to their algorithm, projected to finish with 30 goals, and I think it was like 55 points, which like, holy shit! If Patra's a 30 goal scorer as a 19 year old's rookie in year, his, look out! But in his rookie um, year. Yeah, I know. But no, that was crazy. But uh, quickly, I wanted to talk about the uh, Maple Leafs game. I remember when we were watching the game, and it's probably my own fault because I was talking to Brett, talking to you, talking to Marissa, talking to a couple dudes next to me. And I felt like I hardly watched that game because I remember a couple times I turned to you and Brett and I was like, damn, like... Lori looks like shit out there. <laughs> like there was a couple like times he like jumped up and made a bad read. Um, and I remember telling you about it when I saw you the next morning. When it yep. was it was either yep. at the end of the third period or it was in overtime where he jumped up in the play and uh, he got caught and it was like you know just like a, a, a play that a young player makes. Like it's honestly a play that we make all the time at ESHL. Like you know he just followed the puck up a little too much. And I remember like turning to you or it might have been Brett and I was like oh man like you know Lori's having you know a bit of a learning struggle learning curves you know and then i saw the the player ratings after the game i don't think i've ever seen a player rated higher than mason Lore i wasn't like he was literally like bobby Orr. like his, yeah. and then i th- i think it was brett who sent it to us but there was a, a tweet where um uh the head coach of the providence bruins told jim montgomery in a meeting that that was the best game he's seen mason Lore play all year like better game than any game he played in province all year was that first game against toronto and that was the game that i left i walked out of the stadium and i was like 
ah, and Laura could have been a little better. <laughs> and that's when I realized I was like, oh, shit, I, I was hardly paying attention the entire game. I was just talking. <laughs> yeah, dude, but it was weird because then that Detroit game, same same kind of like, and I know we've said multiple times, like we're not analytical guys, but you you do put stock into those graphs that they make, you know, like the positives and the and the negatives. And then the next game against Toronto, he, was, he wasn't one of the worst ones, but he had no, more he was. negative. Yeah. I believe was he, he was, was actually he? the worst. Yeah. Oh, was he actually? The, okay, well, I then there so. you go. Red Sox, maybe first the worst. Um, yeah. yeah, I know. I, I, I wasn't able to watch that game, of course, because I was driving my ass out to Saugus. But yeah. I think I think for a million reasons, he's a lot closer to the guy he was in that Toronto game than he was in that. Yeah, I, I think I mean, so, like, too. Like, when you think about everything, like, you know, Honestly, if, if he was going to struggle in any game, I thought it would have been the Toronto game. Like, you know, Toronto's in yep. town, Gardens jumping, first NHL game. And I was more impressed. The um, I don't know the right way to say it, but the game that he had against Toronto meant a lot more to me, like player indicator wise, than obviously the game he had against Detroit. Because, like, you know, you're going into Detroit and like it's your it's your second NHL game. It's an away game. You've got a depleted defense core. You know, you're coming off a big uh, emotional game against Toronto. And I think a player, especially a player like Mason Lorai, has every reason to maybe struggle a little bit. And um, to be honest, I've just I've, I've taken whatever I saw of that um, Detroit game and I've just plucked it from my mind and I just put more Toronto Maple Leaf highlights in there because yeah. his. Did you see? Did you see in the warmups too? That, uh, yes, dude. No, I think that, that was uh, Chris Chris Davis. Chris Davis yeah, posted yeah. that video. Shout out, Chris. On the Drop the Mitts uh, Twitter account, when he was yep. like, oh, my God, like total like sticky hands. Like he was doing this weird ass shit with the puck on his stick, like a magic wand, just whipping One the puck hand. around. Yeah. I was like, what the hell? Where, where do they make these kids? Like all <laughs> of these guys that are coming into the league now are so insanely skilled. And like for uh, what's lower? Like, isn't he like six, five or something? He's six, four. Like he's a, he's a big dog, right? Uh, I don't have his exact height in front yeah, of me. Ma- yeah. Mason, Mason Laura is six, four. Yeah, but to have a guy that size, and he, like when you watch him, I didn't realize until I watched him uh, uh, playing Toronto and a little bit that I saw against Detroit. He is such a fluid skater for a player his yeah. size. Like when when he pivots and when he transitions, like when he throws his hips and goes from backwards to forwards, he does not lose any speed at all. Like his like behind the the red line, like when he's behind the net, he is so comfortable like making plays and like picking his head up and moving the puck around. And for every reason that we talk about Matthew Potra, like how impressive he is with how calm he is with the puck and his demeanor for a guy his age, like you can say a lot of the same things with Mason Mora, at least with that with that Toronto game. I can't speak much about the Red Wings game because I hardly saw it. But um, you know, he's like he's if I was uh Derek Forbert. Or, I mean, I guess you can include Grizzly too. Like, I'd be getting a little nervous. I mean, I'd be sweating yeah. a little bit with the way that Mason Lorai has been playing. I'd be a little more nervous if I was Grizz. But before we even jump onto that, we got to talk about... And you know what? Okay, guess what? The Bruins lost to Detroit. First regulation loss of the season. But we're not even going to really dive too deep into it. Lena Salmark didn't have the greatest game. But there's, you really can't put too much stock into it. I mean, you're missing McAvoy, Forbert, and Grizzly. You're playing three you know, AHL defenseman out there, say what you want. But talk about Bertuzzi and <laughs> and his reaction to Marshawn chirping the bench after Lilligren. But Lilligren did that to himself. Time out. So we'll start with that. First of all, Lilligren initiated the contact. Marshawn was just being the strong man that he is, and Lilligren fell, hit his ankle on the boards, and 
all these Leaf fans talk about typical Leaf fans just yelling into the void about how dirty of a player Marshawn is when the replay literally is the clearest thing that I've ever seen Lilligren puts his ankle into Marshawn and then loses balance and just flies into the boards but the thing about it is Marshawn is chirping the bench the whole bench is chirping Marshawn and then as the camera pans down the bench there's Bertuzzi kind of sitting off to the side away from some of the players. And he's just looking at Marshawn and laughing, shaking his head and laughing. Dude. Like, dude. And the Bruins won two games that night. They obviously won the game on the scoreboard and they won the mental <laughs> game too, because like, obviously everybody knows that like Leafs, Leafs fans, the organization, like total, like mental midgets, like they just can't handle adversity. And like, holy shit, right. like you made all of these big free agent splashes this year. You wanted to get more grit. So you got Tyler Bertuzzi. You wanted to be able to have it, guys, you know, stick up for themselves. So you sign Ryan Reeves. And like, right. you have the shortest guy in the ice, Brad Marchand, just uplift your defenseman. And like, whether or not you want to say it's a dirty player or not, like, listen, if you think Marchand's a dirty player for what he's done in his past, like, I'm not going to argue with you, but if you want right. to die on that hill with this play specifically, like get a life, like, come on. And the fact yeah. that Marshawn went over to their bench and was chirping them right after the play and they all stone faced and they're all upset except for Bertuzzi, who's just cracking up. I love it. I love it. <laughs> like that team is fracturing from within and it's what game 10. Like you have yeah. Ryan Reeves, you have Ryan Reeves telling the media, Oh yeah, you know, he's lucky. I wasn't on the ice, buddy. You were on the ice like five more times with Marshawn after that play. You had every yeah. opportunity to do something. It's not like there was 10 seconds left in the third period and you got ejected. Like you're sitting right there in the bench watching it. And then you swing your legs over and hop on the ice for your next shift and he didn't do anything so what are you, you running your mouth nothing. about and Lucic yeah, dude. there like the Bruins like they're big dogs Lucic wasn't playing like Forbert wasn't playing so if you want to do something now's your time but of course he picks after the game the media to start saying shit when he doesn't have they don't see the Bruins again until what the first second week of December or whatever so very fitting of yeah, the Maple and then they start talking and then they start doing something about it when there's microphones in front of their face after the game but even on Twitter too don't know that guy's name but that that like Maple Leafs oh uh Steve Steve Dangle. Yeah, and he's given like Bertuzzi all this shit. Like, buddy, relax. Like, you should be mad at everybody else. Like, Bertuzzi's laughing tough shit, but like, that's been the Maple Leafs. Like, that's like everybody's laughing at you guys. Like, that was just such yeah, a including your own players. <laughs> the, fact, the fact that it's been it's been four days or five days since that game, and yesterday their head coach is still talking about it. Saying like, oh yeah, I didn't like her response. Blah, blah, blah. Ryan Reeves is still talking about it. And now fans are talking about Bertuzzi's reaction. Like, oh my God. Like that's Toronto in a nutshell. And like they yeah. like, Toronto asks why like the rest of the league laughs at them and why nobody takes them seriously. It's because it's game 10. You have like one of the best players in the league, prime athlete in Austin Matthews. You got Nylander, you got Mitch Marner. <laughs> I mean, you spent all this money in the offseason, and here we are, 10 games in. You're losing to an AHL defensive core with the Boston Bruins. You got the, the talking point of your team is that Tyler Bertuzzi was laughing on the bench, laughing on the bench when because his buddy Marshawn, who he was asked 50 questions about before the game, what's it like to be with Marshawn? Is Marshawn really like that in real life? Is he a douchebag? And he's asked all these questions about it before the game. Marshawn's acting up and Bertuzzi's laughing. And then you have Ryan Reeves running his mouth after everything in Toronto isn't about the play on the ice. It's about what's going on in the locker room. And as a Bruins fan, I freaking love it. And of course, yeah. it all happened right after the Bruins game. So I'm yeah. licking my chops. I love it. Dude, honestly, too, like, 
I will say one thing. If you're a player on the Maple Leafs and you see that video of Bertuzzi laughing and like joking around with Marshawn after one of your young rookie defense, not rookie, but one of your young defensemen basically just broke his ankle on that play. And you look down the bench and one of your players is kind of smirking and laughing it up. But the guy who was involved in the play, I would be pissed. I, I would be pissed. But like that just goes to show, like you were saying, Toronto is just a joke. Toronto yeah. is a joke. But you know what? If 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 Toronto, if the Maple Leafs players are that mad, then why didn't they do something about it? Right. And nobody right. went after Marshawn. So so instead of being mad at Brad Marshawn, if they think that his play is dirty, they're not even talking about Marshawn anymore. They're talking about Bertuzzi. They're talking about their own teammate <laughs> who was just laughing at Marshawn. Like the, uh, the entire so conversation, <laughs> the entire conversation has shifted from Brad Marshawn in a dirty play, and now the conversation in Toronto is, "Oh, Tyler Bertuzzi was laughing at Brad Marshawn. Is he a locker room cancer?" Oh, Ryan Reeves said, "If I was on the, he's lucky I wasn't on the ice, despite uh, still being out there for the next, you know, six minutes of game time, like having multiple. Sh- like it's just like it's 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 just Toronto hockey in a nutshell." It like it's, it's so funny. It, it is, is so yeah. funny. Um, but yeah, so I think we'll jump into the DMs here too. Um, obviously, and by the way, um, this episode will be dropping on Wednesday, but we are recording on Monday night. So we won't be discussing the Dallas game. Um, but just to jump into some of the DMs here. Um, Want to read Jack's first? Yeah, actually, yeah. Due to tradition, let's go with Jack first. Our buddy Jack from across the pond. You can follow Jack on Twitter at... I just noticed he just made his Twitter. He just took it off private. You can follow Jack on Twitter at AJackB underscore. Jack said, hey team. So the injury riddled and suspended Bruins managed to take down the Leafs via a shootout things you love to see it was hardly a surprise to see little boy prime missing the shootout as he was clearly spending his free time selling his soul to two youtubers because 13 percent of your team's cap simply isn't enough money <laughs> clearly making a promo video where you fire away at a youtuber isn't great prep for facing a goalie with a 954 save percentage must be quite the contrast <laughs> oh yeah Jack. he always starts off with heat dude every time he does he does he said also from that game, you guys said you were there. So not sure if you saw it, but I saw a clip doing the rounds on Twitter where Ryan stealing a living Reeves <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and Marshawn were having what I'm sure was a polite catch up. You could see Reeves was getting more and more frustrated on the bench during this chat and Marshawn just kept skating on by. But if you look closely in the corner of the shot is Tyler Bertuzzi absolutely loving watching Marshy do his thing. <laughs> Disappointing seeing some Bruins fans in the Facebook comments after the Detroit game calling out Olmark, saying a few giving him some wise words about sticking closer to the net, etc., which I'm sure he'll take on board. After all, <laughs> it's not as if our goaltending is what's really getting us all these wins. So yes, Olmark, listen to Mady on Facebook, whose profile picture is Thanos with the gauntlet on because he seems to be a fantastic coach who's full of wisdom. <laughs> 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 I love I love Jack. Oh my god. My question my question this week comes after Mason Lori made his NHL debut. I want to know what would you say the perfect realistic NHL debut would be? I say realistic because credit where it's due. Prime boy scoring four in his first is just phenomenal. If I was Lori, I'd be buzzing. An unexpected call-up, a win against the Leafs of all teams, plus scoring your first NHL point. For me, my perfect debut would be a win against the Leafs because, you know, F the Leafs and all that, and I want to score in a breakaway. Cheers. 
Oh, and then he sent the picture Honestly? of Austin Matthews with KSI and Logan Paul in their prime gear. That was on Instagram. And he said, I mean, look at the, I mean, look at the state of it. Shame. All the cups in Toronto have 50 plus years of dust on them. So we'll spoil what I'm sure is a delightful taste of red and blue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh God, I love Jack. I'm thinking the perfect NHL debut. You know what it would be? It might be what Mason Lori did, honestly. I was going to say, like, imagine first NHL debut is, yeah. like, New Year's Day, Boston, Pittsburgh, Fenway Park, Winter Classic. Like, imagine if you made your NHL debut. I mean, it doesn't have to be against Pittsburgh. I'm just thinking about past games. Yeah. Like, a Winter Classic debut, I think, would be absolutely electric. I would I would shit my pants. That would be cool. That would be I would cool. actually crap myself on the ice, and I would probably pass out <laughs> on the opening faceoff. I would be so nervous. But realistically... I don't know if it gets much better than Lorais, man. I mean, Lor- yeah, he, he had everybody buzzing. Like the whole hockey community was talking about Mason Lorai. He had obviously his NHL point in his debut against Toronto, home ice, centennial season. He played a big role. He logged, I believe, he logged twenty plus minutes too. Like he was on the ice a lot. I mean, I don't know if it gets much better than that. Yeah, like a realistic one, honestly. Um, I'm looking up his time on ice right now, but Mason Lorai. Um, yeah, 21 minutes, 28 seconds on ice. Uh, that was actually the, that was the fourth most among defensemen. It was Lindholm played 30. Exactly. Carlo 2249 Shattenkirk 2139 and then Laura 2128. But, um, yeah, Laura with, with, um, three shots, one assist. Um, he was all square plus minus. He had a block shot too. No penalties. He played great. He actually played so good. You know, um, it would also be tough cool to get if, better than that. Oh yeah, it would also be cool too if he was a goalie and got a or if you were a goalie and got a called up and got like a shutout in your first game. Yeah, I was I was uh, thinking that too. Toronto would be electric too because Toronto obviously has that loaded offense that is nowhere to be found right now. But if Toronto came into town and you were able to shut him out or like a heated rivalry or like uh, who's a wagon. Vegas comes Vegas. in Bruce Cassidy and you shut him out in your NHL debut. Holy. That's like that's like the Devin Levi treatment. A team that's been starved for a goalie, and then you get the call up and like you're him. Like in your first game, yeah. you get a shutout and you keep oh I don't know. There's so many perfect NHL yeah. debuts, but like like recent NHL debuts, I think Jack's right. I mean Austin yeah, Matthews, Austin Matthews. four goals in his first NHL game. I I can't think of a, of a better start than that. I think I think Thomas Hurdle did that too a couple of years ago. I think he got four, and then the fourth goal was like between between his legs. legs. I remember, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I remember yeah. that. That was pretty crazy. That I that that play alone got uh, hockey on Sports Center. Yes, um, but yeah, shout out Jack. Um, Keep coming in with the heat. It makes me laugh every time. Every week. The guy's a wordsmatician. And the way that he's able to, like, adequately describe, like, th- like uh, feelings. I don't know the right word. Like, like, like the emotions. Intr- in- intrusive thoughts. Like, these are things that I think I just can't verbalize them. And yeah. then, like, like, Jack talking about, like, listen to Mady on Facebook, whose profile picture is Thanos with a gullet on because he seems to be a fantastic coach. He's full of wisdom. Yeah. And when he says that, I don't know if you saw a clip doing the rounds on Twitter where Ryan's stealing a live-in Reeves. And my, and my, that, like, that was so funny. Like, you can't make that stuff up. So, Jack, keep sending them in, man. You're sending to, some heaters our way. 
Yeah. Um. Let's jump over to we got um. Uh, we're re- for the return of E two two parters. There he is. Um. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at Incredible Mister E seven. His two parter this week, part one. Why do we seem to not be able to beat Detroit the second meeting at? Um, Little Caesars Arena. We usually win the first meeting, then shit the bed for the second. Goes back to at least 2021-2022 season, if not farther. Part two, thoughts on Bertuzzi and the Leafs situation. Do they trade him? Do they cut him loose? He's pushed to the fourth line and Buddy is a top-line winger. Do you think we'll try to get him back next year to be with the kids and just go full in the words of Jack? A shout-out uh, shithousery with Marshy leading the battle. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Jack, I love it. Jack is um, leaking into everyone else. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I think they're going to ride it out. Um, this is probably like a little wake-up call for him, I guess, and the whole team in general. I think they're probably just going to ride it out until things start to, you know, the ship gets right a little bit and then put him back into a top six role. Maybe not. I mean, we'll see. Oh, But, but yeah, I, I don't see them training him or anything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, I, I mean – I don't know. I also don't know how how tradable he would be. I mean, if you're, right. I mean, he yeah, like he's obviously better than a fourth line player, but like he's not playing like one right now. Like he's been sucking in Toronto. Like it's not like he just like he was benched the entire third period against Boss. I think he had like eight minutes in that game. He did not look good at all. So it's not like this is just, hey, like let's wake you up and put you on the fourth line. Like their coach had some pretty choice words to say about his performance as well. Like they're extremely unhappy with his performance. And when he signed with Toronto, I remember all saying, holy shit, one year, what was it? Five and a half million. Like that's a, that's a good deal for to get, you know, a 30 goal score in Bertuzzi, a guy who can, who's a big time yapper on the ice. I've been saying that word a lot lately. Um, But like, you know, with his production, what he's doing right now, like I, I, and, and the fact that he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of this year, like I don't, Oh, how treble of a contract that is. Um, so I think Toronto obviously is going to ride it out with Bertuzzi. I mean, I don't know if you just say screw it and stick him back on that first line, but like before the season started, um, thinking about a line of uh, Bertuzzi, Matthews, and Marner was like, oh, like ridiculous. Yeah, like scary. that was scary. ridiculous. And I think, I think it was Brett who was talking about it on Only Bruins saying like, if you were to compare his play style or I might've, I think it, what I'm about to say is a mixture of Brett and what I saw on Twitter. But like when Bertuzzi was here in Boston last year, it was easy because he just had to dig the puck out of the corners, feed David Pasternak. Like he wasn't asked to do anything more than what he's capable of doing. And like now on Toronto, it just seems like what they're asking a little more of him playing beside uh, Austin Matthews and playing beside um, uh, Mitch Moore. Like it's just like he's just it's just not his environment. Like it's, it's not his line. So like looking yeah. at it, like that, that's, it seems like a dream matchup. Like the guy can just like muck it up, dig pucks out of the corner, set people up, and just like you know walk his way into thirty goals like he was doing in Detroit. And that's basically what he was doing here for the short set he had in Boston. But in like Toronto, it's just it's just not working. Like. Just that combination with him and Matthews or putting him with Nylander, like in Tavares, like it's just it for whatever reason, his game just isn't translating. It's not helping those lines. And like looking at the first what eight game nine games of the season for Toronto, like he's been dog water. Like, oh my god, this guy sucks. He looks terrible. So um yeah, I mean to have five and a half million dollars buried on your fourth line playing eight minutes a night like that's and especially for toronto too because they the only reason they could sign him and domi was because they were able to put matt murray in the ltir who i'm sure will be back for the playoffs because we all know how teams work now um right. so like you know you would have to think like if, if they could get rid of his 
I mean, you want Bertuzzi, but like freeing up five and a half million dollars could really help the Maple Leafs right now too. So I don't know. Yeah, um, it's going to be interesting. And again, like it is early in the season. I'm sure either Bertuzzi's too good of a player not to figure it out. Um, I saw people, sorry, I saw people on Twitter too, Maple Leafs fans saying that, um, cause like as Bruins fans, like we saw Bertuzzi last year and like, we, we really wanted him back. Obviously he's a, he fits the culture well, but he was a really good player when he was here. Watching him in pasta was like, like on the same line, oh, like was that so was good. match made in heaven. And, um, so like, we know what Bertuzzi looks like. Red Wings fans know what Bertuzzi looks like. And I saw a Leafs fan tweeting that like, they were saying he sucks because like Austin Matthews is like firing passes at him. And like the, the guy like can't catch a pass to save his life. Like the puck just loads off his stick every single time. Then that's like more of like, they're, they're putting him in the position to like, I don't know, like be like the loading man or like to be there for one time or some shit. And the guy just can't yeah. catch a pass, to save his life. Well, I, when you look at it too, so his connection with pasta, right? Obviously was top notch. I think what they're missing is they haven't, I don't think they've played him with William Nylander too much And Nylander and pasta play a very similar game. Obviously both goal scorers, um, both 88, both 88. They grew up together. They definitely share some similar, you know, playing characteristics. If I was Toronto, I would put, Bertuzzi with Nylander tomorrow. Like I would, yeah. I would try that immediately because obviously, Martyr Matthews and Bertuzzi just doesn't work. Yeah, and I mean, like, like don't get me wrong, like he sucks, like or he sucks, which is why he's on the fourth line. But like, he's a talented right. player, and you paid him to be a talented player. So like, they should be exhausting every everything they can to make it work with him. Hey Tess, they should be exhausting <laughs> everything they can to make it work with him before bearing him on the fourth line. And, um, I mean, my first bit of advice to Tyler Bertuzzi would be to tape your stick. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that would right. help. Because, <laughs> that, might, that might help. Because, uh, <laughs> yeah. Or at least put a knob in your stick. I mean, Jesus Christ. That's yeah. insane. Dude's out here. He's playing pond hockey with the stick that he <laughs> like, found in the garage. He's just, he's just picking sticks out of the trash can and just going to the rink with it. Matthews <laughs> um, is like, Bertuzzi, that's, isn't that my stick that I broke last game? He's, he's get he's like getting one of those like like one of those uh like outdoor chairs made out of hockey sticks and he's just like slowly deconstructing it and just like grabbing a stick <laughs> off the chair and taking it to the rink and just using that. Um he's just playing with a knee hockey stick. <laughs> he's like, put, he puts the blade puts the blade over the stove to make his own curve. <laughs> he's boiling it like a mouth guard and, and like putting on like those 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 like little oven mitts to like bend it without burning his hand. <laughs> yeah, it, it's actually like like not even kidding. Like that's that's archaic to um, go to the hockey rink and to play an NHL game without a single <laughs> a single speck of tape on your stick. What is wrong with you? Like he is he doesn't even he doesn't have a knob in his stick. Like I bet you when he skates really fast, you can hear the wind whistling through his stick. Like that's, <laughs> that's ridiculous. No, it's literally insane. But the other part of his question, the the uh, Bruins kind of struggling to beat Detroit back to back. I don't know because he's right. That is that is like a common theme that we've seen. So 
I, I guess the only guarantee with that is that if we meet up in the playoffs, it's going to go seven and you're probably going to lose every game at pizza arena, little Caesars arena, whatever it's called. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. As long as the Bruins have home ice, they'll be fine. But he, I mean, yeah. that's honestly a pull from him. Cause I remember thinking last year, how the Bruins won the first game and then they, they went into the, cause they, they played uh, Detroit like twice in the same week and the Bruins got yeah. the brake speed off them the second time. And like last year, Detroit really sucked, and obviously the Bruins didn't. So, um, yeah, I don't know. And maybe there's like a hex on the Bruins or something, or I mean, I don't know what it is. But you know, yeah, there might sec- be. second games in Detroit are never a good time for the Bruins. Yeah, no, it's not. Um, but I want to jump over here too. So, Bruins Luchador, uh, shout out the Luchador shout on out. Twitter at at Bruins Luchador. Um. I, I don't want to cut it short, but we kind of already talked about this a lot. But he, he said a question and a comment, and he just sent the video of Steve Dangle going, uh, <laughs> hang on, I'll play right can you, Yeah, can you play? Bertuzzi! 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 <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Let me hear your mighty, mighty roar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's... <laughs> I'm sure he regrets tweeting that out so bad. I certainly but, hope so. I mean, yeah, we, we kind of talked about it already. He's a mess. Toronto's a mess. The, the least organization, is, franchise, fan base, history, just a mess. And I don't even blame – what's his name? Steve Dangle? Yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> he's going like, to be the most like tortured soul on the planet. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I don't like – he like his – what he's going through right now, I don't blame him. I mean, it's the Leafs. This is what they do to a guy. I mean, especially this is what the Leafs do to a guy when they play the Bruins. I mean, it's right. There's no denying history. Right. It hasn't been easy for Maple Leafs either when the Bruins roll into town or when they come to Boston. I mean, it's just it's it's been a disaster class. And, <laughs> and what makes it even funny is that this guy Bertuzzi that they're talking about is they got him from Boston. So like it's not just like the game on the ice that Boston's affecting Toronto. Now we're sending guys in the locker room and we're tearing them within. And maybe that was part of the plan all along. Maybe Bertuzzi was sent there. He got a little extra cash on the side, maybe a wink from Don Sweeney. So go in there, rip him apart, which isn't isn't hard. I mean, we're talking about the Maple Leafs here. And maybe in the offseason, Bertuzzi will just make his way back down to Boston, give him a nice little deal. We got some cap space, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, so shout out the Luchador again. Follow him on Twitter at Bruins Luchador. I'm sure you've seen him at the Garden with the um, with the um, Mexican wrestling mask, the, the Nacho Libre Bruins theme mask. Oh yeah, I saw him. He was with um, I think he was with Boosie like a couple weeks ago at a Bruins game. I saw on Twitter. Yeah. Um, he, yeah, I see him there all the time, dude. I, I, went, I don't know if he has season tickets or not, but he's always there. But I feel like he's always yeah. on the Jumbotron. Always, dude. Um, but shout out to uh, Luch. This next one comes in from Meth Bear. You can follow them on Twitter at Meth underscore Bear. And if you guys are on Twitter, I think a lot of you probably saw his tweet, his or her tweet. I'm not sure, but um, they were... T- it was after the Detroit game. They mentioned trading Allmark, and a lot of people got heated because obviously it's the first Bruins loss in regulation. Um, Allmark gave up five goals, um, not his best game, but you got to also remember too that the Bruins were playing without Charlie McAvoy, no Derek Forbert, no Matt Krizlik. They're playing with a guy Reese Watherspoon. They're playing Mason Moray, <laughs> and then and then isn't he? Isn't you know, that an actress? Yes, and then and then um, 
obviously, you know, they're playing with a very handicapped defensive core. But so he asked, I got eviscerated for saying at some point it might make sense to trade Allmark for a big return and roll with Sway and Bussy. What's your opinion on this? I, you just, I'm very, you don't do it this year. No matter you don't do it at the trade deadline, you don't do it at any point this season, no matter how good Swayman is playing, a big chunk of that is coming with the ability to lean on some rest, you know, play 50-50 throughout the season, 41 to 45 games. That's a huge part in Swayman and Allmark's success. If you trade Allmark and, and Bussy comes up and he's not, you know, as good as everyone seems to think he is, say he posts like a 900 save percentage and a two eight goals against then you're leaning on Swayman more and he and then all of a sudden he has more of a workload um he something he's not used to I don't think he's ever played more than 55 games in a season probably even less than that so what's working right now is working because the the system works you don't want to break that system right now yeah I think trading Olmark and I think even you you and I have talked about this before too I think it would be it's entirely circumstantial like like you said like I really wouldn't I can't think of any scenario that would make the Bruins want to trade Linus Olmark this year um because first of all I mean Jeremy Swayman is your Vesna favorite right now his numbers are insane and of course it helps yeah. with the shutout that he had the other night too um but the Bruins success right now I mean they're they're low scoring games they're not blowing the doors off of teams all their wins this year have been like 3-1 3-2 4-2 and you need goalies for that and the Bruins have they have the horses for that kind of game and Omar can swim it and I think um Honestly, what, what people were probably more mad about was the timing of the tweet. Like all the, you know, Bruins had their first regular season loss of the year and Omar didn't look great. And suddenly this guy's saying, hey, you know, don't shoot the messenger. Maybe we could think about tweeting Omar. Um, but in all honesty, like, yeah, I mean, I think it would be a disservice as, as a GM of a team. You always want to make sure you're putting the best team on the ice, not just this year, but for the future as well. And if that means trading Linus Omar, then that's what you do. I just can't think of any scenario where that would make sense this year. I mean, maybe if all of a sudden the Bruins fall off a cliff and like a bunch of people get hurt and the Bruins are way out of the playoff race come the trade deadline but Olmark is still playing lights out, then yeah, I think you have a serious conversation at the trade Linus Olmark. But as long as his team is healthy, and as long as you have Olmark and Swayman in net, you're going to be fine. You're going to be an elite team, and you're going to make the playoffs. So um, I think that could be a question for next year, a question for the offseason, because then you have Olmark and Swayman each with one year left in their deal. But like you said too, like if, if you do make that trade... Because the Bruins are in a position right now, or if if one of their goalies were to get hurt, because of course injuries happen, and these are two goalies who have had injuries in the past. If one of them is to get hurt, you can you can lean more on Olmark because the guy just I mean his numbers last year were godly. And if Olmark yep. gets hurt, you can lean on Swayman because he's playing like the best goalie in the NHL right now. But if you were to move, you know, trade one of them and Swayman got hurt, or maybe Swayman's struggling, and now you got to turn to Brandon Bussey, who I'll give you, he looked great in the preseason. But that was a preseason. We don't and know what he's going to look like. And that was only one game. Yeah, and we don't know what he's going to look like with a healthy amount of starts in the NHL regular season. So if you were to move like Olmark and you got to rely more on Brandon Bussey and like he, suddenly he's not the guy or he's struggling and your your catalyst of your team all year has been your strong goaltending and your defensive play, well, you just shot yourself in the foot for no reason because there's really no reason to trade Olmark right now unless you're looking to improve your team in the future. Right. And by the way, right now, Brandon Bussey 
it's, it's he's not exactly lighting it up in Providence either. Um, right now, trying to get to it. Um, he's got a nine fifteen save percentage and a two six five goals against in six games. Um, so I don't know if you wanna. I don't. I don't know if you wanna rely on on him to come up and all of a sudden be your full time backup to Swayman. Um. Again, though, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for this offseason for the Bruins to explore that trade, especially if Jeremy Swayman can maintain this level of play right now. Because, like you said, his stats right now are insane. He he's five and zero on the season. He's got a one three eight goals against average and a nine fifty four save percentage. And I think it was you a couple of weeks ago that said, "Would it be crazy?" for Swayman to have an even better year than last year. And yeah, right now he is. I mean, oh my God. Yeah. I mean, again, I know it's only five games, but like right. I, I mentioned it a couple times in previous episodes where like, it's really encouraging because he started off really slow last year and like, we didn't know what it was going to look like this year. If they were going to be able to recreate when I say they, I mean him and Omar recreate what they did last year. And I mean, oh my God, like everything is coming up roses right now. And I and I want to give credit to Brett too, because he said months ago, before the season even started, that like he thought, and I think honestly, it might you might have said it as well, that like would it be crazy to think that Swayman can win the Vesna this year? Like it it wouldn't be outlandish. And I think right now there's a legitimate conversation that I mean again we're ten games into the season, but I think right now he's your favorite to win the Vesna. I mean five and zero, those yeah. numbers you just said. Plus he's got a shutout, and to have him and like when you think about the grand scheme of things, that's your number two, <laughs> which is what's absolutely ridiculous. Like that's not even that's not even your your big guy. Your big guy is the guy who just did it last year. So like having that combination between the pipes is is what's fueling this Bruins team to a nine and one start right nine one and one start right now. I would not be surprised if this is the year that Swayman plays more games than Allmark. Maybe really? maybe Sway maybe Sway gets like fifty starts, Allmark gets forty-two. I, I just the way that he's been playing and the way I like correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure all not Allmark. Um I'm pretty sure Swayman has played the majority of um higher level teams that we've played this year. Um I'm actually let me look at that really quick. It is interesting too because if that's the case, it's interesting because Omark also got the start on opening night. Maybe just how the schedule is shook up. Because have they not been going back and forth, back and forth every single game? Um, yes, they have. But Swayman's Swayman's games, um, Nashville, L.A., Chicago, Detroit, Toronto, All Allmark's games, um, San Jose, Anaheim. Anaheim, Florida, Detroit. Yeah, so I mean, getting uh, in. I mean, San Jose. Who congrats to San Jose? You're about to tie a record for <laughs> dude. They the most have, most double digit goals in a row given. Not, dude, not only that, but the um um. Hang on a second. I just want to make sure I'm correct. Yeah, the Sharks have one point out of a possible twenty two. <sighs> I thought I think um, I don't remember who said it over the weekend, but somebody said that it's been ten games, and San Jose's goal differential is like a negative thirty-seven, which is like 
almost impossible they're, to comprehend. They're, they're 11 games through the season. Their goal differential is minus 43. They're oh, oh my god, that's even worse. <laughs> Holy shit! Well, they had they had what two in a, in a two game span? Uh, they got outscored what, like two, 20 to three. Yeah, like 17 goals were added to that figure in a two-game span. Like that's that's unfathomable. And like nothing yes. is going in San Jose. And you know what's even crazier is that mm-hmm. they traded their best player, Eric Carlson, in the offseason. And am I crazy to say that if Eric Carlson was there, they would have an even worse goal differential? Like <laughs> instead of back-to-back goal games, they would have had back-to-back 12 goal games. I mean, they might have hung like four or five goals in the other team, but that defensive core defensively is even worse. <laughs> Dude, yeah. 10 to two against 10 to 2 loss against the Penguins. 10 to 1 loss against the Canucks. Dude, listen to this. Oh my god. 3 to 1 loss against the Capitals. 3 to nothing. 3 to nothing loss against the Hurricanes. 6 to nothing loss against the Lightning. 3 to 1 loss against the Shark. Oh my god. Wait, how they've, many combined goals have they scored? I'm I'm about to count that right now. They've scored Use your fingers. Hang on. They have scored Is their frontal lobe? <laughs> 1 2 Three, no four, five, like six, seven, eight, nine, <laughs> ten. They've scored twelve goals, dude. They got they just they scored twelve goals in eleven games. Yes, they have. They gave they, up. They, they just, almost gave up more goals in one game than they've scored all year. I know, dude. They back to back. 10 goals against and they also had back-to-back games where they got shut out they are the worst hockey team i've ever seen in my oh entire my, life that's, that's almost like our high school team my junior year your that, senior year that, huh? dude, that team our team could have honestly maybe put up a fight against these guys i think we would have had a chance i mean holy I, think hell. So. I mean if you're in if you're in san jose if you're a player on the sharks how do you even wake up in the morning and go to the <laughs> rink like you how can't. do you how do you find because I was listening to the radio this morning and they were talking about like the Patriots because the Patriots yeah. are two and seven. Like a, as a as a football player, when you're in that <laughs> position and you know you're not making the playoffs, like how do you wake up and go to like San Jose has already been mathematically eliminated from the playoffs? Like that's how yeah. bad they've been the first 10 games. Like just just wrap it up. And I don't know if they're like just doing like a supreme tank job or if they're really this bad, but like I I seriously if scoring 12 goals in your first 11 games and having a negative 43 goal differential, <laughs> like I can't, I, I can't even think, I can't even fathom something that would be worse than that. Like outside of hockey, like what, like an asteroid to the planet earth would be better than how, what the San Jose sharks are looking like right now through the first 11 games of this season. They've been horrible. They would lose to a might team. <laughs> So the Sharks, like you said, minus 43 goal differential right now. The worst goal differential in history. Can you guess what the number is for that? Through how many? Through 10 games? Um, This is for a season, but I can try to find through 10 games. Okay, so for a full season, the worst goal differential, I'm going to say negative, uh, negative 163. Negative two sixty-five. Hang on, wait. Let's do some math real quick. What, <laughs> what, what pace? So, ne- okay. So right now they're at a negative forty-three. Right. That's what I was gonna ask you. There's been eighty-two games, or there's eighty-two games in a season. <gasps> <laughs> Are they on pace? Wait. What did you say the record was? 
negative 265. The 19, it was the um, that team that, that holds that record right now that's probably going to get beaten out by the San Jose Sharks was the, as I scroll to get it. Oh, it's the San Jose Sharks from last year? <laughs> no, it was the 1974-1975 Washington Capitals. Oh, yes. Who could forget? Yes. Um, okay. <laughs> Take take a guess. Okay, through eleven games, the okay. Sharks are a minus forty three. If they're to continue this pace for a full eighty two game season, guess what their goal differential would be? It's going to be like minus over four hundred, right? No, oh, minus minus three twenty. Yeah. What the hell? Wait, really? It's yeah, it's exactly you know 120. I'm a wizard. You? That's crazy. Are you I just had are you in my room right now? What the hell is going on? <laughs> That's crazy. Dude, could you if they finish with the negative 320 goal differential? Oh, they got to sell the team. I mean, they they got to I, I know we're not like, you know, English soccer, but they got to be relegated to the NCAA. If you have a, a, a negative do. 320 goal differential, like go play in the Sun Belt. Like go play Arizona State every year, whatever <laughs> conference that is. Like, holy hell, that is so bad. That's, and like, I, who do you like? I feel like, you know, if that happens, those two goalies in that team are never going to play again. Like, those six defensemen, never going to play again. <laughs> like, those four centers, you call yourself a two way, you know, centers a two way position, you're never going to play again. Like, at, like, like you got to find a, you got to start from scratch. Like you got to find a whole new team at that point. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm looking at their daily faceoff lines right now. This is the worst team that I've ever seen assembled in the history of anything. <laughs> <laughs> they're, like the, they're like the anti Avengers. Yes, dude, they are. It's, um, oh my God. The first line, William Eklund, Thomas Hurdle, get him the hell out of San Jose. And, <laughs> Fabian Zetterland. Second line, Mike Hoffman, Mikhail Granlund, Anthony Duclair. Third line, Jacob McDonald, Nico Sturm, Kevin LeBlanc. Fourth line, Philip Zadina, Ryan Carpenter, Luke Coon. Until you hear this defensive core they have, this just brick wall of defense. <laughs> Mario Ferraro, Ty Emerson, Mark Edward Vlasic, Kyle Burroughs. Nikita Ohotyuk and Jan Ruda. Oh. And then their their poor goalies, Mackenzie Blackwood and Capo Kakinen. I mean Oh my god. Say a say a prayer for San Jose. I mean, like the CIA and whatever, like when they're torturing guys, just send them to the sharks. Tell yeah. them to lace on a pair of skates and go play first line for the San Jose Sharks. Because Jesus CIA, Christ. The CIA could have me tied up in a basement with one flickering light. And they could say, listen, we could either, you have three choices, electric shock, waterboard, or a free ticket to the SAP center to go see the San Jose Sharks play hockey. (laughs) And I would say, zap me twice. I'm not even kidding. Who is going to watch this team? How, oh who's God. paying money to go watch this team get scored on 10 times? Oh, my God. Especially gas prices in California right now, too. I mean, holy yeah, hell. That whole, state, 
The whole state's been taken else. I mean, gee, like you were naming like Mark Edward Vlasic. I haven't heard that man's name in a, nearly a decade. I know. Because I used to, I used to, whenever I heard his name, I'd always think about the pickles because, you know, Vlasic pickles. Right. Yeah. And um, I mean, Z- what, did you say Zadina? Yep. Philip Zadina. <laughs> oh my God, dude. It's like, it's literally <laughs> the land of misfit toys out in San Jose. And yeah. I think, honestly, it's it's even more impressive thinking about Eric Carlson putting up 100 points with those bombs last year. I mean, I guess who I else know. was going to do it? But like, there's, I mean, there's a pretty good reason why the San Jose Sharks are the are just the absolute worst dumpster fire of a team you've ever seen. And <laughs> I mean, just go like Google their roster. Jesus Christ! I knew it was bad. I didn't think it was that bad. It's bad, dude. It is so bad. There, and it's so funny because Chicago was so bad last year. These, this team is like making Chicago look like the Vegas. Jesus last Christ! Year. We're looking like the 2018 Lightning. I know. I so it sucks too because San Jose when they're good, like the Shark Tank, it's such a good atmosphere. The fans oh, are awesome. It's such a good team. But I mean, I mean, Jesus Christ! Do you, oh, do you think? Christ. Do you think their GM is like starting a group chat with like Joe Thornton and like Patrick Marlowe and like guys? I miss you. Yeah, please, <laughs> please come back. Like. Do you know he probably puts him in a group chat? Yeah, I don't have his number anymore, but if you guys got Brent Burns, just add him to the group chat. Like, he's just trying <laughs> yeah. to get anybody he can to come back and play for the Sharks. Their GM is probably like, We're still, we're still waiting on Burns to come back. We don't know where he is. Meanwhile, oh. he's just lighting it up in Carolina. Here we go. Who, who do you think right now, as a fan, is more in a torture chamber? Is it a fan of the San Jose Sharks or is it a fan of the Toronto Maple Leafs? <laughs> Well, the the Toronto Maple Leafs fans are just in a in a in a eternal torture chamber. I think it's rooted in denial, though. Like they're, but this whole episode has been dedicated to the San Jose Sharks <laughs> and the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I love it. <laughs> honestly, I think, honestly, I think Toronto because I think San Jose fans kind of knew what they were walking into this year. Toronto fans are just like, what what could I compare it to? It's like. Just it's they're they're like a screaming toddler who just didn't get to go to a laser tag party for their birthday. So they're just screaming at their parents, just so angry because they're not getting what they want. And they never will. And they and they never will. I I love it. Like this honestly, like I can say, like between Thursday and right now has been like the best five days of my entire life. Like <laughs> not only did I get to go to the Maple Leafs game. I got to meet a bunch of awesome people. I, we got to see some friends, um, ate some good food, drank some drank some good beers, and the Toronto Maple Leafs are like falling into like oblivion. Like they're they're actually like there's a sinkhole in Toronto right now because of the people are stomping their feet over what's going on with the Maple Leafs, <laughs> and like buildings are collapsing and fires are starting, and people are going crazy about Tyler Bertuzzi laughing on the bench. Like I. And like here we are, like oh, the Bruins are nine and one. We got we got Dallas tonight, you know. Then we got the like we're just moving on with our life. Like that's the Bruins are just going in. They're just like dropping airstrikes on like the Toronto Maple Leafs franchise, and they just move on. And they've literally been doing that as long as I've been alive. Like, and, and it's the great part is they've done it in so many different ways. Oh, that's a nice uh, four to one lead in Game Seven. You have, thank you very much. Oh, what's that? We saw you for in the first round of the playoffs for like the fourth time in the last seven years. Thanks for those four free passes to the second round. Oh, <laughs> what's that? You have the most disgusting team on paper that 
you've probably had in the last two to three decades would be a shame if people were talking about Tyler Bertuzzi laughing on the bench and Ryan Reeves running your mouth after you come into Boston losing a shootout. Like, it's just, I love it, dude. It's so great being a Bruins fan sometimes. The Toronto Maple Leafs signed Tyler Bertuzzi, Ryan Reeves, Max Domi, and John Klingberg. The Bruins signed a 100-year-old Milan Lucic, a 100-year-old Kevin Shattenkirk, a 90-year-old JVR. That team is 9-1-2. and two, or Sorry, 9-1-1. One one. The Toronto Maple Leafs, with all their stars and prime athletes and, and perennial all-stars and William Nylander, Austin Matthews, Mitch Moneybags Marner, and and just just a great you know expectation coming into the season. They're five three and two. They stink. A team that could be walking around with ice bags on their knees and is already walking around with ice bags on their knees. McAvoy's hurt. Lucic is hurt. Blauco's out. Um, Forbert is hurt. Forbert's out. Um, Grizzlick is hurt. We're better than you still. You guys fucking stink. (laughs) It is the greatest thing on the planet. Being a Boston Bruins fan and getting to listen to the Toronto Maple Leafs organization as a whole just always have an internal civil war and just year after year after year collapse in on themselves it is it's it brings me the most joy in the world it's like it's like what brings me more joy christmas or just the existence of the toronto maple leafs it's the toronto maple leafs (laughs) they live to disappoint and it's great too because like as as a bruins fan i hope other teams are i hope other teams are catching on as well because it's like and that's why we i always compare them to dallas cowboys because every year like you said when you compare them to a toddler they're saying look at me look at me we made these signings it's gonna be different this year we're all gonna stand in the middle of the road outside of our stadium and watch us lose in the first round it's gonna be different this year this year is gonna be like the last 12 to 15 years i promise and every year bruins fans everybody else goes okay you know all right we'll see. yeah yeah you know you just kind of like you, like you're just you know making jokes like it's like you give him a shiny toy that's yeah here's tyler bertuzzi just go go away for a little bit you know like go deal with yourself yeah and uh, here we are 10 games into the year and they want a new toy and they don't like the shiny toy anymore and now they don't like tyler bertuzzi and they're they're deconstructing and it's and it's funny because as maple Leafs fans they're like how do we get here what's happening and as a bruins fan it's like <laughs> This listen, like this is the same story every year. I got fifty. I, it's like it's like the Maple Leafs are like the Harry Potter books. There's like eight of them. It's the same thing. It's the same plot. It, it's we all know the story <laughs> every year. It's just it's utter disappointment. It's players underperforming. It's inner turmoil. It's coaches being fired. It's new GMs coming in. It's captains underperforming. It's it's nonstop drama. They're like a reality TV show over there. On they should film they a are. reality TV show on the Toronto Maple Leafs, and it would it would do better than like The Bachelor. Yes, like oh my god, there's always something going on within within that organization. And like I feel like with the Bruins, it's just hockey. With the Maple Leafs, it's milk. It's everything but. <laughs> they're dude they're like spoiled milk but it's funny like it's literally like the like you said shiny new toy with bertuzzi, bertuzzi. it's like when you, like you're at like a dinner party and you have to bring your kids and you're trying to keep them distracted just like just give them like a little bag of fun dip and fu- like 
just fuck off for a little bit. <laughs> it's like you know? it's like when you're at a restaurant and there's like the crying baby. Like that's yeah. the main yes. Like like it's like it's like you, you know you see or you're on an that airplane. Is- you see you see, you see the family come in and they got a baby and you go oh, yeah here we go. You know I hope this this baby is gonna cry and, and ruin our dinner or you know oh my god I'm sitting. You know I have the window I have the middle seat on the plane. I'm literally praying to God that this person holding the baby doesn't sit next to me. That's the Maple Leafs because yeah. you always know it's going to be a disaster class because even though you're hoping that baby isn't going to cry in the plane or in the restaurant, you know they're going to. And when they do cry, you look at their parents. You look at the Boston Bruins and you look at every other team in the Atlantic Division to do something about it. And every year they do. The Toronto <laughs> Maple Leafs are the crying baby and they, they started crying on the plane and the Bruins sent in Brad Marchand. And they sent in double agent dad. Tyler Bertuzzi. And here we go. The baby's crying. The, the the dad took the baby outside of the restaurant to calm it down. And they're doing their own thing. And that's the it's the Toronto Maple Leafs experience. It is. It's really that really is the Toronto Maple Leafs experience. But I don't even remember what question we were on. Me neither. I don't know. So we just we spent like 30 minutes on the sharks and the maple leafs. <laughs> so shout out to whoever sent that in. <laughs> um but the next one comes in. So actually this was um two of the same questions. So it's a dual uh DM question for same question. It was from Moochur Muchuro Tokido. Follow them on Twitter at Ate Crow. And also he had the same question as our guy Island Stew. Um, shout out to him. Follow him on Twitter at Guernsey Stew86. But they both have the same um, you know, it was the same, same relevance to the question. I'll read um read Tokido's. He said do you think Marshy should settle down a little bit now that he has the seat? I feel like he needs to show a lot more discipline if he's going to lead this team in the right direction. I say no. This is him being who he is, got him to be the captain. You don't want him to change his game now. He's a captain for a reason. Um, the way he plays, obviously he plays on the edge. He likes to be that guy who's chirping the bench, obviously, as we saw with Ryan Reeves and that whole scenario and other examples as well, but that makes him who he is. And that's what makes his, you know, um, his, his gears go. So definitely, I don't want him to change. It's, it's definitely, it's what makes him, him. And it's what makes him a good captain. Sure. Sometimes maybe he can get a little bit out of hand, but like, whatever, that's Marshy. That's our captain. Exactly. And this is this is Brad Marchand. This is who he's always been. This is who he was in 2011 when he was a rookie. And this is who he is now in 2023 as a captain. And the Bruins knew who they were giving the C to. Marchand's uh, ability to, some call it dirty, I call it passion. His ability to get under players' skin and to rile them up is what this team needs. And he was awarded the captaincy based on who he is as a player on the ice and off the ice. So I don't want him to change a thing. I don't think that anything about his game should change now that he has a C on his sweater. If the Bruins wanted a soft and squishy captain, I don't know. Maybe they would have hired signed Ryan Reeves. I mean, he seems kind of soft and squishy these days, but that's not who they signed. They signed, they, they have Brad Marsh on. They gave him the C because he does what he does and he does it better than anybody else. Yeah. And he's our captain, baby. The only time I would agree with that. And he hasn't shown this at all yet. Um, if, if, if he goes off the rails in like a tight game and it costs us a game or it's a stupid, stupid penalty that should have been avoided. That's the only time where I'll be like, okay, like I'll, I'll agree with that there. But if he's just, if, you know, if, if the Bruins are up a lot or it's the middle of the game and he's running his mouth then that's just him being him and, and we love it. Yeah. And even like, 
I can't even because like he's pre- he's progressed so much. He's matured so much as a player because he still does stuff to piss people off. Right. But like he's he's not doing that anymore. Where he's like getting you know he's screwing his team like late in the third period with a bad penalty, or he's not like. Right. Right. Doing something totally egregious and catching all these massive suspensions for like two hitting guy in the back of the legs or licking their face or whatever it might be. There it is. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and I think it speaks a lot to who he is as a player because I can't remember the last time he did something like that because he's he's greatly matured. And I think that also is part of the reason why he's wearing the C now. Yeah, no, 100 percent. Um, so let's see. Shout out to Guernsey Stew and shout out to Tokido. Uh, Tokido is a first time DM too, so shout out to him. Hey, welcome. Um, Happy to have you. So, yeah, again, just I want to shout out their Twitters. Um, Tokido at Ate Crow, and then obviously uh, Island Stew at Guernsey Stew 86. Uh, the next question comes in from Joe. You can follow him on Twitter at Brewin Blood. He said, Since the retirement of Kevin Miller, there has been no nasty on the back end. It's about the only thing missing from the stack D. Someone would need to go some sorry, someone would need to be gone obviously to do this. I think it's worth it. Do you think playoff time? Um I think that's why you look at the bottom six guys that we have right now in Lauco, Lucic, Frederick. Uh you could even throw Geeky in there. He likes to throw his weight around. I think that's where they're looking to be meaner. Um I think on the back end, and I guess it, Thinking about it, yeah, come playoff time, it gets a little rougher. Um, you want to be able to clear the net out easier and kind of intimidate around the crease too. And I guess I do see that um, being a point of, of you know consistency with this argument. I just don't think that with this decor that you have right now, it would be worth it to sacrifice one of these guys for, say, I don't know, um, a Radko Gudis, which I, I was guess gonna say Gudis, yeah. I mean, I would rather have Gudis than Forbert, obviously. Oh, yeah. Honestly, Gudis, Gudis will look great in a Bruins jersey. I know. I was. I wish they grabbed him this offseason, but I don't know. I, I the way it is right now, your decor is so good. I don't want to mess that up. I think you're looking at more toughness from the bottom six. I think that's that's where they're looking to get it from. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. And like, I don't think that weakness. Um, I mean, I know the Bruins defensemen obviously just had they 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 sucked in the first round last year. I mean, I think you know McAvoy was really the only defenseman you could say who showed up in the first round last year. Grizzly when he played, but we still have questions about that. I will say, Lindholm will not be mean at all. That's one yeah. thing Lindholm won't do. He, he can't. yeah, but um, at least I will say though that that. Although this Bruins team, like they like they don't have a Johnny Boychuk, they don't have a Chara, they don't have these guys who are going into the corners and making people fear them. But they're not like just laying over either. Like they're not like the defensive unit in San Jose. Like Brandon Carlo is a big dog who a lot of people have said he isn't physical enough, who would probably be pleasantly surprised to find out that he was, I think, second or third on the Bruins last year in hits. I mean, mm-hmm. Charlie McAvoy is a tree stump who's aggressive in the corners. I mean, Hampus Lindholm, I know he's not going to go out there and just like two-hand people in the back of the corners, but he's a big dog too. He's six four. He's a strong skater. He's strong in his stick. I mean, I know that they're not going to go out there like your Gudis and like screaming people's faces and 
and like make sure that they finish every single check in the corner. But those guys are still really hard to play against, even come playoff time. And I know last year, um, I think the Bruins obviously were taken to it. They, they had it taken to them physically against the Florida Panthers. And I don't necessarily think that that's, uh, you can just say that that was on the defensive core. I think that the Bruins answered a lot of questions this offseason of how they wanted to change that with their forward, like you just mentioned. Like they got bigger, they got stronger. Their bottom six, they signed Lucic. Lauko is a crazy son of a bitch some of the shit he does jvr is a big dog frederick is gritty like they got they they upgraded their size should that situation happen again and i know you mentioned it too like four episodes ago if lucic was here last year would that first round have gone any differently and it's and i just thought of this now when we were at the maple leafs game the other day i was talking to the guy who was sitting next to me and we were talking about lucic and i didn't even bring it up but he turned to me and i swear to god he turned to me and he said listen I think if Lucic was here last year, that that series against the Panthers ends differently. And I went, <gasps> and I went, oh my god! And I and I was like, me and him have a podcast, and we said the same thing. I I sounded like such a tool. I was like, they have a podcast. And we said the same thing two weeks ago, and it was really funny. But no, I mean, um, I think Agudis would be like, I would love him on the Bruins. He'd be a great fit. But I like, I, I don't know if that's like, I would want to sacrifice the depth and the talent that the Bruins have defensively just to go out and get a guy who's gonna like muck it up. Dude, let me ask you this really quick. Who, in your opinion, has been the best defenseman for the Bruins this season? McAvoy. Really? Yeah. He's He has like eight points through his first nine games. I know he's suspended, but... I'd go Carlo. Well, the thing about Carlo is that... He's so you. I know, but that's but that's the thing. Like you don't even like see him out there. Like you don't recognize him, and that's the thing that that's you and I good, were talking. Though. No, I know, but that's what I mean. Like he's so because he's he's not filling up the score sheet. I think his career high is like nineteen points, but he's so good defensively, and and that's like watching it like that can be a boring part of the game you don't even realize mm-hmm. it i think i use the analogy of a cornerback in football at the end of the day if you say oh i didn't even notice uh like jack jones out there that's a good thing because he's making plays not even looking his way and i remember against the maple leafs game i i i told you his gap control brandon carlo's gap control is insane it's like insane. the way like he he keeps himself literally the entire time like like uh the maple leafs would pick up the puck in their own zone and and just burst out of the corner, screaming out of the corner towards Brandon Carlo. And the entire time, he picks them up from the Maple Leafs blue line and the entire time all the way down into the Bruins end of the zone. He's no more than a stick a stick length apart. Like his defensive game is phenomenal. Um, so that's a, that's a great pick because a lot of times, like I said, you don't even realize, like you don't even notice Brandon Carlo because he's just he's just shutting guys down. And they're not even going to his side of the ice anymore. It's And it's crazy, which forces them to go to Hampus Lindholm's ice, side of the ice, who has been struggling. Has been, first yeah, yeah, he has not had a good and, start. And maybe season. that's why, because now they're attacking Hampus Lindholm. I don't know. But yeah. uh, no, that's a good pick. I think those two guys, McAvoy and, and Carlo, definitely been your best two defensemen so far this yeah. season. Yeah, and right now, Carlo... Um, He's 29th in the league in block shots. Um, so he's 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 putting numbers up there. Derek Forbert is nowhere to be seen. Um, but anyways, so <laughs> sh- shout out to uh, Joe again. Follow him on Twitter at Bruin Blood. Um, we got a couple more here. This one comes in from Mike Kamiz. Follow him on Twitter at Mike underscore Kamiz. He said, "Allmark." For Hyman in a first, 
or Allmark and a second for Lindholm and Hannafin. I was trying to find something that would give a center give center help, and unfortunately, the center market is pretty dry unless they make a move for, for Pedersen. Pedersen's not going to get dealt. Vancouver is buzzing. He's not going anywhere. Lindholm and Hannafin. I would love Lindholm. Lindholm, Lindholm and Hannafin are viable options because Calgary stinks. They are not good. <laughs> they need a goalie, but again, you. I don't think you trade him. Um, and then Hyman in a first, no thanks either. I guess though that first round pick could be pretty high if if Edmonton can't figure it out because they fucking stink yeah, right now too. I think. But I think no, I say no on on any of them. I say no. I think I will say this though. Over the weekend, I made a franchise on NHL. And the yeah. first thing I the first thing I did was I signed uh, Elias Lindholm in free agency, and I won the Stanley Cup. So, hey. but oh, I also traded Olmark though. Oh, I don't know, but no, I think I'm with you. I, I don't, I don't, I really like. I would be really hard pressed to move Olmark for any reason this season, just because like we've said it like ten times this episode. Your defensive unit and your two goaltenders is what will be fueling your team this season. That's why the Bruins got off the start that they did. That's why having one goalie who's, you know, suddenly he gives up five goals against Detroit and his and his numbers go from, you know, oh, now now uh, Linus Olmark has like a 2.1 goals against average and his save percentage is only 940. Like, yeah. oh my God, <laughs> like, let's relax. The world um, is falling. Yeah, I think if that, well, I think Elias Lindholm's a free agent after this season. <laughs> or, is it, or is it next season? I believe it's know? this upcoming season. All right. Well, then, what are you doing? Like, just wait I until believe. the off season. You can see you can. The Bruins are going to have. If that's the case, I mean, the Bruins are going to have a lot of cap room this off season. Maybe you can then offer uh, Lindholm a contract to get him. That would be great to have two Lindholms in the same team. Hmm. And then you can either, if you still want to trade Olmark, well, now you have Lindholm for nothing. You can move Olmark for whoever the hell you want. Maybe you can kick tires on Elias Pettersson again, and uh, or if not, just keep him. And there you go. Let's let's run it back, but just throw Lindholm in the mix. Yeah, and and yes, he is in his last year of uh, this contract. But um, yeah, so shout out to Mike uh, again. Follow him on Twitter at mike underscore Kamiz. Um, this next question comes in f- in from Into the Den is cooking. Uh, follow them on Twitter at itd bruins. They said not a question per se, but it's so frustrating that Monty can't grasp that Pasta and Marshawn, great teammates they may be don't have the on-ice chemistry anymore. And putting 63-88 back together rubs up, robs us of the great play of 63-74 and 74 in 18-88. and 88. And he said that ultimately is why I think we lost. And then he said, anyways, for an actual question, favorite classic Thanksgiving food? Oh, listen, it's not classic. So I'm making this question my own, but okay. um, my family, my my sister-in-law has this recipe for pineapple stuffing. Mm. Oh my god, it is uh it's King's Hawaiian rolls. I can't give out the recipe cuz it's a family recipe, but I'll tell you this much. There's King's Hawaiian rolls. That's what that's what the bread of the stuffing. There's yeah. a whole bunch of pineapple, like crushed chopped pineapple. There's a whole bunch of sugar and uh there's a whole bunch of butter. I'll tell you that much. And the rest I gotta take my grave. I'm sorry, but it is it is so good. It's like a dessert, and uh, that's what I look forward to every year. Traditionally, classic wise, though, hot take. I'm gonna say rolls. I'm a, yeah, I'm a, those... big, I'm, a, I'm a big carbs guy. So it's funny when I was younger, right? Um, 
my family's really big. I have tons of cousins, tons of aunts, tons of uncles. And every year we would be like, oh my God, it's Thanksgiving. Um, Annie Marjorie is making her famous rice. And we were like, oh, like that was the most excited we would get. Come to a couple years ago, I find out it's just regular rice peel off that comes in the box that you get off, off the shelf at the grocery store. So that's no longer my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> your family was that excited to have rice peel off that your aunt no. picked off the shelf at the grocery store it wasn't even like obviously like all the older you know uh aunts and uncles knew that that's what it was but like we as little kids had no idea we were just like this is this is so good this is my favorite thing <laughs> <laughs> and then and then come to find out it's just the regular rice peel off off the shelf but favorite classic is probably I, oh my god, dude! I could eat a whole plate of stuffing. Literally, I could just eat stuffing. You know what's crazy? I know I just said that my favorite thing is pineapple stuffing, but I am not a stuffing guy. That's like, traditional, crazy. traditional stuffing. I think it's because I mean, what's wrong with it, you? It's soggy bread. Like I don't like that. That's disgusting. It. <laughs> <laughs> I sound like Schmidt from New Girl. That's what I was just gonna say, dude. That you sounded just like Schmidt. Oh my god, it's, it's texture thing like that. <laughs> like I think about, I think about like like soggy bread. Like I don't know. It's just, it's not my thing. Although I do like like the crispy corners. I think those are good. Those are good. But I'm not a big stuffing guy. The crispy what? Oh, the crispy, crispy corners. The crispy corners. Yeah, you know what's good? Not not Thanksgiving related. You ever have um, par- Parmesan couscous? Yeah, that's pretty good, dude. All right, let's find a let's find a food we can agree on. If you say cranberry, uh, I'm gonna knock you out. I was. You don't like cranberry sauce? No, dude. Between you don't like cranberry sauce, you were excited as a kid for your aunt to bring over rice pilaf. Like, what the hell is going on at the Sullivan household? I, Thanks. I was gonna, I was gonna say you've never tasted it, but it's store bought. Who the hell has it? Have. I yeah. probably yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh God. What about um? Do you have mac and cheese for Thanksgiving? Yes, with the breadcrumbs on top. I don't. I don't have it for. I was just wondering. I don't have it for Thanksgiving. You sorry. I didn't. I didn't mean to get. I didn't. I didn't mean to get that excited. Um, do you have uh, green bean casserole? Yeah, I don't like it. Green bean casserole just tastes like vomit. That's what I'm making. For- Who's making a green oh, bean no. casserole? Is that is that what Tess makes? <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Oh, brother. Here's that one. Um. <laughs> I mean, a, a turkey? I don't know. I mean, I like turkey. Turkey's Gravy. too dry. What is like, dude? Why don't you just get pizza for Thanksgiving then? If you're gonna just shut down everything I say. It's funny you say that because we do sometimes get pizza. <laughs> <laughs> your, your family isn't real, dude. <laughs> what the hell is going on? Your family isn't real. Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. For Thanksgiving this year, look at look around the table. We have rice pilaf, mac and cheese, and pizza. Everybody, well, dig li- in. <laughs> listen, and we play Family Feud too. I got a bald cap. I shave a mustache yeah, in, and we play Family Feud. <laughs> <laughs> What is our Thanksgiving? Now that I'm really oh thinking my about God. it, yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Something to but, think about. Yeah, well, we gotta think about that one. <laughs> turkey. Yeah, but turkey's the layup. I like. <sighs> Hang on, I'm, I'm 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 envisioning. I have carrots, but carrots yep. like aren't my carrots aren't my favorite. How about this? Mashed potatoes. 
I don't like mashed potatoes. You fucking, we're never going to agree on any food. <laughs> I'm never having you over for Thanksgiving. I'm never going to your place for Thanksgiving. I don't think we can name any other foods. I don't think there's anything else. <laughs> we'll try again for Christmas. Uh, gingerbread cookies? No. Dude, I hate gingerbread I'm kidding. Do you, like, do you like candy corn? No, fucking hate candy okay. corn. All right, there's something we can agree on. Dude. All right. And candy corn. At least we can agree on something we both hate. Right, we're back on track. <laughs> yep, yep. Candy corn and the Toronto Maple Leafs. All right. So <laughs> shout out to Into the Dead is Cooking again at ITD Bruins. Um, last question here comes in from some guy. That's his name. Some guy. Oh. Follow him on is. Twitter. I think he's just some guy. I think he's just some guy. <laughs> Follow him on Twitter at Asti underscore Mar. He said, some guy said, do we think the signing of Lucic was purely locker vibe related or actual talent related? I'd argue a line of Lauko, Beecher, Heinen. I would almost say both for Lucic. I mean, he, obviously, he's not the most talented guy, but when it comes to constructing fourth lines, especially in Boston, I mean, he's a bit of a home run pick. I mean, I think he's exactly who the Bruins needed last year. You don't need him. Like, you don't need Heinen on your fourth line to go out and net you 12 to 15 goals, just like you don't need Lucic to do the same. And Lucic, I don't even think he can physically do that anymore. What you need from your, you know, your fourth line power winger is to go out there, be tough in the corners, uh, protect your stars, and prevent guys like you can't tell me that other guys on the ice are thinking twice about running pasta or running Patra because they look at the bench and they see 17 sitting there. And if that's Dan Heinen instead, do you think the same fear is going through their heads? Like, I think it's more than just uh, who's more talented between Dan Heinen and Lucic because there's, there's more than just talent when you're constructing a fourth line. And that's yeah. just player wise, like within the locker room as well. Like we've already said this, Bringing Lucic back post Bergeron, like I'm sure, like the the ripple effects of Bergeron being gone are still being felt within that organization. But having Marsh on there and bringing back Lucic, a guy who was a pillar of this city of this organization, a guy who's won a Stanley Cup, like it means so much more than that. So I think signing Lucic was well, had had two reasons, and I and I would keep him on that fourth line over Dan Heinen. Yes, uh, I think I, I'm with you. It's a little bit of both. Like, I think he would do anything, obviously, to help this team. I think that's why he's here. Obviously, he's here to help however he can. So if there comes a time where, you know, maybe the team is better off with the line of Lauko, Beecher, and, and Heinen, I'm sure he would not be mad about it. He wouldn't be salty about it. He, again, is doing anything for this team. I do want to say, though, through four games that he played before he got hurt, Obviously, that's another concern too. His his ability to stay healthy, um, but through four games, he had two points. Um, so it's not like he was invisible out there. He's um, on a 41, 41 point pace. That's he is, good. and it's a shame too because if if he hadn't got hurt, he could have been on pace for like eighty. No, he would have been on pace for like sixty five points. I don't know. But, well, if he had two points in four games, right? Yeah. Oh no. You know what? You were right the first time. Never mind. Don't even. Don't even. Don't even. Don't even. Let's just, rem- let's just remember. Let's just remember how I pulled three twenty out of my thin air. But, 
<laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. Locker room vibes, definitely, especially after losing Bergeron and Krejci. You need to keep a little bit of that culture alive, and bringing a guy like Lucic back helps with that. Um, but like I said, too, I think he would do anything to help this team succeed. And if that means sitting, then I think he would without hesitation do that just to help everybody out but um that was it for the dms so shout out to you guys for coming in and uh firing them off for us do you want to do a quick little prediction for the next couple games i suppose we can because then guess what we got a, we game, got a game tonight baby we got a game in an hour less than an hour less than an hour dude um all right so we're gonna do it let's see uh one two Three games. Wow. My head. You want to start okay. with the Dallas game? All right. Four games. Yeah. Let's do Dallas. They're, they're halfway through the first period right now. Zero, zero. Prediction. I'm going to say the Dallas Stars win two to one. I'm going to say the Bruins win three to one and Jeremy Swayman keeps the door shut. Let's go. I hope you're right. All right. Islanders, Bruins. Um, at, just- at home. Bruins, three to one. Bruins, five to one. Whoa. Big that one. Trouble with Sorokin? <laughs> yeah, question mark. Question mark. <laughs> um, Bruins, Habs in Montreal. Um, honestly, I'm going to say six to two, Bruins. Ooh. I'm going to say four to three, Bruins overtime. <laughs> God bless you. Thank you. I think the Bruins blow the door the doors off of Montreal. <laughs> oh my god! I I think I just threw my was back a, out. Was that a sleeve joke? No. What did I say? Oh, no, I wasn't even paying attention. <laughs> I was honest. <laughs> I thought that you did that on purpose. No, I didn't even. It didn't even register. But I, that did kind of hurt my um my back a little bit. Ooh. And then finally, <laughs> what? No, okay, you know what? We're just going to... Uh, that's next week. God damn it. Whatever. Um, Bruins Sabres in Buffalo. Oh, shit. Um, three to two Bruins. I feel like that's going to be a weird one. I feel like this is something you should sleep on. Like, you really got to like self-meditate to try to pick between the Bruins and the Sabres. I don't know. The Sabres have fallen heavily out of my favor. They are not as fun as I thought they would be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who would have thought? That, dude, not me. <laughs> such a good team. Um, but I'm going to say Bruins lose in a shootout, 4-3. to three. Mm. In you know, the Bruins, the, the Bruins do need some guys who are better in the shootout. But you know what? You don't. You don't. You don't need shootout guys when you win in regulation. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um. But anyways, <laughs> did you give your prediction for that game? Yeah, I said three two Bruins. Oh, all right. That, okay, never mind then. Yeah. Hey, Jesus. episode episode sixty six of the Something's Brewing podcast. Um. Obviously, Bruins and Stars game is right now. So when you're listening to this on Wednesday morning, it will be two nights ago. So playing a little bit of catch up, but um, and not the Heinz kind. But anyway, oh! <laughs> anyway, <So good> <laughs> anyway, 
Anyways, um, yeah, episode 66 of the Something's Brewing podcast, the Phil Esposito 66 goals in 1970, 1971, the Sith Lord himself, the the godfather of the Tampa Bay Lightning, <laughs> playing with a play he was just out there. He was just out there playing with a Darth Maul double-sided <laughs> Sith Lord lightsaber, firing everything at the net. Oh, um, God. You're in your but, bag tonight. But I'm excited for the game. But um, by the time this game is over, I believe, is that McAvoy's entire suspension? Or does he uh, have one more game? No, he has one more. I think the Islanders game is his last game. Okay, so he'll so McAvoy will make his return in Montreal against the Unless Canadians. Bettman screws him, but I think that's that's supposed to be his last game. Yeah, and I didn't hear anything else from the appeal either. So I think he's just gotta take his time. Oh yeah, time. we need him back. He's we need missed. him back, Charlie. We were talking about Mason Lorite digging at the chains. I think Charlie McAvoy's just digging at him, just trying to rip him out of the wall. <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, nine, nine, one and one Bruins, um, in Dallas right now, um, episode 66, something's brewing podcast. Uh, Mel, you got anything to add? Nope. You can follow us on Twitter at Bruin something. No G you can follow Sully on Twitter at underscore Mike Sullivan. And you can follow me on Twitter at Nick Melanson underscore don't forget to leave us voicemails i don't know my the number in front of me but you can find it in the something's brewing twitter bio back to you the voicemail number for the podcast just so happens to be 508-263-0854 if you missed it 508-263-0854 and if you missed that Rewind it because we're not saying yeah. it a third time. Just hit that little button, that little tiny thing next to the play pause Same. button that says Minus rewind 15. 15. Yeah, <laughs> just hit that and you're going to hear the number again. You hear it twice. Actually, you get to hear it two times. And if you want, you can press that button like 70,000 times to re listen to the episode. Um, <laughs> but outside of that. Episode 66 of the Something's Brewing Podcast, as always, brought to you in partnership with the one and only Primetime Productions. You can follow them on Twitter at Primetime Prods. You can follow myself on Twitter at underscore Mike Sullivan. You can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Melanson underscore. And you can follow the podcast Twitter account at Brewing Something, no G at the end. And with that being said, we'll catch you next week. Bye. your mind.
Let's get up.